We're back with Paul Myers, who's the author of Go All the Way, a literary appreciation of power pop. Thanks for stopping by, Paul. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to mention a piece. I mentioned it in our in our longer conversation about Nancy Rommelman and that opens the book. And, you know, one of the things that's so cool about it is it's a woman's perspective. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about women in power pop and get your thoughts on that. You know, in your book, there's a piece by John Borat called They Got the Beat, the Women of Power Pop. And he draws a very interesting line that kind of starts with, you know, Susie Quattro, Dusty Springfield, Leslie Gore, and moves through to the Go-Go's, the Muffs, the Bangles. Is that a fair assessment? And who else might you point out there that needs to be in that line? Well, that's, yeah, that's a real tough one. Uh, I, I I think those are, you know, those are the, the, the signposts. Um, I can't remember if you mentioned Joan Jett in there. I did not, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I would think, uh, and, and even though the Runaways and Fanny probably wouldn't consider themselves power pop bands, both of those bands, they certainly launched a thousand ships uh, by uh, by just by what they call representation. Uh, again, if you want to get an opinion on on women in pop, ask a dude. <laughs> uh, but I'm just kidding. Uh, but um, speaking as a guy who's been sort of observing that stuff, I would say that you know I didn't even realize how important uh, Susie Quattro, Joan Jett, and to some extent uh, Cherie Curry. Uh, no offense to the rest of the the runaways, but Joan Jett seemed to be the energy there for me as an artist. You know, I just felt like I got what she was laying down. And I don't think the pretenders really could be lumped in with power pop, but there's, there's certainly something about the snarl and stage posture of Chrissy Hind that had a power pop adjacent. Uh, This is a real stretch though, I think at that point, but, um, but you know, the idea was if that fierce urgency of Friday night and holding the guitar a certain way, you know, like like the, if you ever see pictures of Squeeze, you know, the way the two guys held their guitars, uh, it just, you know, the, it goes all the way back to the Beatles. Right. So but uh, so Chrissy definitely had that up front. But I think Joan Jett more so had the hooks could be called power pop. Again, it's to anyone's discussion about whether they are or not or whether there was intentional there. But she definitely had the pop because it goes back to glam, too, with these people, too, right. like a lot of Gary Glitter and, you know, bands like The Sweet and stuff that had this energy that was power pop, but it was also metal, but it was also rock and roll, you know, but uh, so, yeah. So I think adding Joan Jett to the list is a good idea. Definitely. Definitely. And, and Dusty Springfield, that was one where I had to think a minute because I adore her records. And yeah. now I listen to him with fresh ears because I get it. You know, it's not something, if somebody said, is she power pop? I would have probably off my head said no, but now I've listened back to it through all this talk and learning more about power pop. And she definitely fits at least in the, you know, the forefront of, of helping to create that. Yeah. I'm, I'm less inclined, but yeah, I mean, you could power pop eyes it, I guess like you could uh, add, you know, I think it doesn't have enough of the core elements. I, I absolutely love her voice. So, and I love those records. See, I'm a big back rack fan too. So I love, the, the sort of chanteuse, you know, like Dionne Warwick, Sandy Shaw, people like that. Right, right. You know, Scylla Black. <laughs> and you mentioned Fanny, who, you know, are yes. getting another moment in the sun with their documentary film. Have Finally. You, have you seen that? I haven't. I don't know why. Where is it? Like, I, I keep wanting to see it and I keep trying to find it on my uh, streaming queue. I know in the in the U.S. anyway, it just came out like in the last month, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it's streaming at the normal places, but that's high on my list. And uh you know, I came to them through another project, but uh, I'm fascinated by them. Yeah, no, I mean, um, June Millington is a Facebook friend and we've been back and forth. And for, like, I really wanted to do a feature for a big British magazine on them. But the, 
the big British magazine said, no, not really, <laughs> which I, th- which is sad, really. I, I don't want to name names, but that was sad. Um, but Bowie, as you know, was a huge champion of Fanny during oh, yeah. their day. And Todd Rundgren, uh, for whom I wrote about in my book, he produced their, uh, I think it was their third record. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, again, nothing ever connected for some reason, but they have elements of power pop. I wouldn't, again, call them strictly a power pop band, but they had the hooks, you know. And the first female band, all female band, signed to a major label, which is pretty stunning. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to the Go-Go's, which I have, they all knew about Fanny. They all knew about the the Runaways Go-Go's thing, I think is, I think they're kind of contemporaries to some degree, but they definitely have a mutual respect for what I said earlier about representation. Because I think that's, that cannot be underestimated. There's some, there are kids today who they just saw, you know, Carrie Brownstein and they, they don't know that that, you know, that wouldn't have happened in the seventies that you would have a guitar hero like Carrie Brownstein, you know, and, you know, and, and St. Vincent and people like that. Like, it's just, it's an amazing time on that level. Again, I speak to a woman on this. I, I, I'm saying it seems to me that it's a good time for the generation that gets, you know, none of the filtering out of that stuff. So it's just there. Like some of the top artists in the world right now are women. It's just this supremacy is on the other end now. So that's kind of neat. So, we both want to see that documentary. There was another documentary out and some people, most people say they're not power pop. And we talked a little bit about that. They did have a major influence. And I'm, I'm curious if you did watch the get back documentary. Oh, the Beatles. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I watched it like three times. I've sat through all eight hours about three times. That's yeah. impressive. So what were your thoughts? I mean, I, I was just blown away by the, the oh, yeah. footage I mean, quality, both audio and video. And it's, it's an amazing thing. It's a, uh, I think as a Beatles fan, the first time I watched it, it was like, I, it was a little like peeling away. I couldn't believe how much access that film afforded. I'd seen Let It Be, right. the original, but this really is storytelling. This really, you really get a sense of the, what they call the ticking clock in movies. You know, like they, we've only got a few days to put together this album, mm. uh, this concert, and we don't even know if it's going to happen. And then George has quit and Paul's a control freak, but he's, he's got a heart of gold and he's trying really hard to just make the band great. And he's, his heart's breaking on camera. John's nodding off. And then John comes around again and then Billy shows up. Oh my God. Spoiler alert. Oh, the best part. Oh yeah, exactly. And then they're back on their home turf and yeah. they're, they're little, George is smiling again and Ringo's just in awe of Paul's piano playing. And, and, you know, we watch him right get back on the bass, strumming on the bass. I mean, it's like, how could you not like that? Even if you didn't know the Beatles, right. I mean, I watched Some Kind of Monster, the film about Metallica, and I wasn't the world's biggest Metallica fan. And I remember saying that film is great, Some Kind of Monster, because it made me care about the struggle Metallica had at that moment. Right. I think if you, God forbid, had not been a Beatles fan and still watched and you might not want to put up with eight hours if you're not a fan. But at a certain point, once you're there for the ride, once you've gone for the first three or four hours, you're going to want to know what happens. I mean, I don't know. The argument is, you know, for me, there's no way I couldn't watch all eight hours. Right. You know, I could watch 10 and I probably will because they'll find a way. Apple will find a way to release two more hours, I'm the, sure. The director's but, um, cut. <laughs> Peter Jackson did such a great job. Amazing. He, he, you could tell he really wanted to honor the storytelling just on a filmic level but also restoring things and doing like little cheats, like having, they didn't have the visual for a certain conversation. So they would use shots of footage they did have from behind. So you couldn't see their mouths moving so they could just give you the impression that they were still in this one scene. And just, I, you know, I, I, I would, I can't recommend it enough. And everybody I've talked to 
musicians in my podcast, they always go, well, it's like in Get Back. Have you seen Get Back? And I'm like, <laughs> of course we have. It's like, it's an event. It's yeah, an event. It it's is. something that changes a lot of things too. Like, I think we're going to demand <laughs> more intimacy on these artistic documentary films, you know, and, uh, and it was honesty too. It wasn't just a uh, hagiography. It was, it was, we saw like Paul getting a little frayed with people. We saw John's disgust or no, his disinterest and George's disgust. You and know? Sometimes disdain, but uh, you know, disdain, the thing I yeah. found, I found the most uh, compelling about it was I don't think I, and I'm a, I'm a creative, you're a creative. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen such, you know, a perfect representation of the creative process. I mean, you just watch it unfold in front of you all of a sudden, yeah. you know, after a couple of riffs and, and some lyrics that don't work, you've got, you know, a song that's like a classic. And it was amazing. I, I really loved it as well. And so you, you, you raise an interesting point there because it is, it, it gives lie to the idea that things just drop out of space, you know, and anything worth doing sometimes is worth doing wrong a few times until you get it right. And that should be inspiring to somebody who's starting out, for instance, mm -hmm. or somebody who has, you know, somebody who's got like a first draft of something and they think, well, my first draft sucked. You know, well, yeah, your first draft is going to suck <laughs> generally. Um, get the first draft so you can talk about it and fix it, you know, and that's what I liked about that film. Yeah. Art is hard work sometimes. So appreciate sure is. it. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much again for your time, Paul. Uh, go all the way. A literary appreciation of Power Pop. Everyone should check this out. And uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this teaser, have a listen to the complete podcast episode on your favorite podcast provider. Please follow, subscribe, and share. And thanks for listening to All Music Podcasts, a member of Pantheon Media.